Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome to my brand new podcast, the inaugural episode. I uh, haven't quite decided what I want to call this yet, but I'm leaning towards the uh, bite-sized baseball cast, where I talk all things tribe, prospects, and MLB-related, and these quick 10 to 15-minute hits, which will post once a week. You know, uh, now that baseball is right around the corner with spring training underway, uh, I've been getting that itch to still get my thoughts and uh, musings out there, even though I'm retired from the writing game at IBI. I guess once an analyst, always an analyst. So uh, if you'll indulge me, I thought this would be a fun way to do so without uh, inundating your timelines with a bunch of tweets or sending out any long-winded blog posts. So uh, if you're with me, uh, why don't we get started with the news of the week? Uh, first of all, on the Indians front, the signing of Domingo Santana, 27-year-old outfielder. And uh, I think this is a good move by the Tribe, signing him to a $1.5 million deal uh, with incentives and also a club option for next year for $5 million. That also includes some bonuses that can max the deal out at around $7.5 million. I got to say, I think the Indians were smart with this one because at the very least, uh, this makes them no worse for wear offensively than where they were last season with Yasiel Puig. Because when you look at the numbers and dig deeper – Yastio Puig and Domingo Santana offensively are pretty much the same player, uh, other than the fact that uh, Santana has a bit more raw power, maybe strikes out a little bit more, and has a little bit less, a uh, little bit of less of production and uh, capabilities offensively, or rather defensively, with the glove in the outfield. So, you know. That notwithstanding, you know, there's some pluses and minuses there, but I think that Santana brings the Indians what they needed in terms of uh, the potential of re-signing Yasiel Puig, who is still out there. I don't know what the, the deal with him is, but I can guarantee you nobody's going to give him the multi-year deal he's been asking for. So for the Indians to bring in Santana, though, there's a lot to like there. I mean, he had that breakout season in 2017 where he hit 30 homers, drove in 85 for the Brewers, posted a 3.3 war according to Fangraphs, 127 weighted runs created plus. Uh, last year with the Mariners, he had not quite so good numbers, but still pretty solid. 21 homers, 69 RBIs. His war was dead even at zero, so he was right on the uh, – uh, average threshold, uh, you know, not great, but you know, not terrible either. I think he can do better, especially when I get into some of these, uh, stat casts, advanced numbers, uh, in a second here, but he also posted a one Oh seven weighted runs created plus last season. Um, he did strike out a fair bit, uh, 32.3, which he shaved down from 32.8% last year. So he's going to swing and miss, but I can tell you what he does do well is he makes – when he makes contact, he does some serious damage. And I can tell you so by looking at his stat cast numbers. Last year he was uh, in the top 100 and average exit velocity. Uh, you look at that, he had <clears> – <throat> excuse me, he had uh, – an average exit velocity of eight and even 89. So pretty solid there, but where the real value and the real potential sits with him is in his uh, barrel percentage and how much he squares up the ball. Because if you look at that number, he sits 25th in all of baseball head of guys like, uh, like Juan Soto, like, uh, Yoan Moncada, uh, JD Martinez, Anthony Rendon. And, uh, 
even guys like uh, Ian Desmond, Mike Moustakis, uh, Mookie Betts, former MVP now with the Dodgers. There's a lot of uh, big names uh, that Santana is ahead of on that list right now in terms of last season. And you might be asking, is that a fluke? Is that a uh, an outlier? Uh, not really. When you look at his career numbers, his barrel percentage sits at 11.2%. Last year was 12.5%. So, and in terms of where that would sit last year, uh, that would be in the top 50 as far as a barrel percentage goes. So he's a guy who can square up the ball and do some damage. Uh, make no mistake about it. So um, the only thing I'm concerned about is you put him in a lineup with a guy like uh, Framil Reyes, who also has uh, some high uh, some high strikeout numbers. Um, that could be something that could be exposed come postseason time, as with many hitters who are pretty strikeout prone. Um, the good pitchers who face them in the playoffs can uh, have a higher chance of exposing them than the other way around. But at the same time, though, I still say that Santana with – his barrel percentage, his high uh, exit velocity rate, and uh, obviously the raw power he possesses. He can really fit well in this Indians lineup, lengthen it a little bit, and uh, take some pressure off the guys like Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor, and Carlos Santana, who are the uh, key cornerstones of this offense. And hopefully guys like uh, Oscar Mercado can prove that his – that when he was good last year, it wasn't just a fluke. He can build off of the positive production from last year. Same with Roberto Perez and maybe uh, Jordan Luplo and Tyler Naquin. Once he's healthy, that platoon can really work out well. And uh, I'm not ruling out a ruling out an appearance by Daniel Johnson either. Uh, I won't get too deep into the prospect aspect of things right now that be for a future show, but. This is something that I really look forward to with the Indians offense. The real question is, where is he going to fit in on the field? Because Azar, Fran Reyes, is going to see time in the outfield. He's already taken reps in, in left field this spring. And then how does this hodgepodge of outfielders, uh, of whom the Indians have 10 in camp right now, how do they sort this out? Who's going to see the most playing time? How are they going to platoon guys? Uh, Santana going to see time in the outfield, or is he going to see more time at DH and vice versa with Fran Mil Reyes? It's going to be something uh, for Terry Francona to sort out, and hopefully he is able to sort it out in a way that maximizes the value of all of the uh, parties involved. So uh, that's item number one. Uh, I think was a good signing by the Indians. Now it's just a matter of figuring out where he best fits in. Uh, item two, we had uh, Mike Clevenger going under the knife for uh, meniscus, partial meniscus tear in his knee that he suffered during uh, training activities early this spring. That'll keep him out for an estimated 68 weeks, according to the Indians. And after which he'll be cleared to return to game activity. Now, whether or not that means he's going to come back and pitch in six to eight weeks on the mound uh, in a major league game in Cleveland, that remains to be seen, especially since he's going to be missing a lot of, if not all of spring training due to uh, this recovery time. It's an unfortunate and ill-timed injury because anytime a player misses a large portion of spring training, it's always tough to play catch up and, uh, have them playing or pitching from behind the eight ball uh, for the beginning part of the season. But I also say that this could also work out in the Indians favor because uh, early on in the season, you know, they're going to have their pitching depth tested of which they have a lot. Make no mistake about it. I do believe the Indians have done an admirable job the last 
couple years of building up their pitching depth. You know, we saw the likes of uh, Zach Plezak and Aaron Savali called upon when nobody saw them coming from waiting in the wings as far as Akron and then coming up and pitching effectively in the majors, which they did. Um, so now we'll see what they're made of this season. Savali is most likely already going to be in the rotation. Zach Plezak likely slides in in uh, Clevenger's stead. And then we'll see what the other depth options include, including, of course, Adam Plutko. And then you have guys waiting in the wings in AAA and even AA, such as uh, Logan Allen, who we saw a little bit of last year. Tristan McKenzie should be back healthy. And then you got guys like Eli Morgan, um, Adam Scott, uh, Scott Moss, and one of the newcomers came in that uh, deal along with Logan Allen for Trevor Bauer. And then that, down in double-A, uh, Cody Morris. And there's a, there's a number of names who are really – uh, making some headway towards the major league level who we could see. Hopefully we don't see all of them because that would really exhaust the depth options and signal a catastrophic injury situation with the Indians rotation. But the depth is there. And as that old adage says, you can never have too much pitching depth. And I think the Indians have done a good job of building this depth up. It's untested and unproven. Sure. I understand people's uh, reservations with that. But I think they have some talented arms here, both on the starting and relieving side. Um, so they've really built up some depth pitching options on both sides of the ball. And I think that uh, with that, what they have in-house, they are able to withstand this blow early on of losing Clevenger um, for a few weeks, potentially. So hopefully it's not much longer than that because that's you don't want to test these young, unproven arms uh, too much. But at the same time, if you need to lean on them for a little bit, I think the Indians have the uh, ability and and I hesitate to use the word luxury, but I, I would say they have the capabilities uh, to do so. And we'll just leave it at that for now. Now, if they wanted to go out and bring in a veteran arm off the scrap heap, I wouldn't object. But for people saying that they dropped the ball by not bringing in another uh proven veteran option in the rotation, especially after dealing Corey Kluber, which, you know, now it looks a little more glaring following this injury. I think that uh, they people need to have a little more faith of what uh, the farm system can bring forth because, you know, whether you believe in them or not, or you believe in the prospects or not, eventually they, these guys have to make it to the majors and prove their own worth. I mean, all the pitchers were prospects at one point. Shane Bieber was a prospect at one point. Corey Kluber was a prospect at one point. So everybody needs to prove their worth at some point. And sometimes you just got to trust the system. And right now, the Indians, and this is just, isn't just me talking. This is national writers. Um, if you go back to my Twitter feed, you can see some people who are calling out saying that uh, the Indians may have the deepest farm system in uh, the AL Central, if not all of baseball. And, you know, they may not have a bunch of top prospects right now, but they have a bunch of very intriguing prospects from top to bottom spread out pretty evenly throughout the farm system. So, you know, if the Indians are not going to be a team that goes out and spends money, the next best thing to do is to trust in your farm system that it can put forth the talent to keep you competitive. So I think that's what they're doing now with the starting pitching staff, moving on for Corey Kluber, and then leaning on their pitching depth 
in uh, the stead of Mike Clevenger as he recovers from injury. So best wishes to him as he recovers, and uh, we'll move forward from there. Uh, lastly, before we wrap up shop today, um, I wanted to address the uh, unfortunate and uh, hopefully temporary uh, end of Indians Baseball Insider on on the web, I know many of you saw the uh, tweets from Justin Lada, the new editor-in-chief at IBI, uh, stating that CBS Sports has opted not to renew the contracts of any of their baseball sites, including Indians Baseball Insider. Um, it's unfortunate news, especially this close to the season, and that IBI will no longer be putting forth content for the 2020 season after opening day. But uh, continue to follow them for the prospect countdown. Uh, I know M- Justin and Michael have been working very hard on that. Michael Kuva, who's uh, taken over and helping out with the uh, prospect countdown, as Justin and I did uh, the last couple of years. So uh, be sure to go out and support them and in their final days. And uh, if anybody out there is listening who runs a website, Indians covering the Indians or covering the minor leagues, uh, please uh, do reach out to uh, Justin and Michael and anybody else who's at the site who now will be looking for a new gig for 2020. Uh, they are all very talented and deserve uh, to continue their doing the good work that they've done at IBI and uh, providing excellent Indians and prospect coverage. So um, <clears throat> I wanted to thank uh, Tony Lastoria and Jim Pete and all the people involved with getting the site up and running uh, more than a decade ago and then supporting me as I came on uh, six years ago and worked my way up from just a uh, regular columnist all the way up to editor-in-chief and uh, all the way until my departure last year when I handed the reins over officially to Justin Lada, who has done uh, a phenomenal job uh, running the site and putting forth a uh, uh, exceptional content. And, uh, if this is the end of IBI, uh, we had a great run. If not though, um, we want to say, uh, stay tuned. I know Tony and Justin are discussing the options, possibly even moving, uh, the site towards a free platform, which I know many people and many subscribers would like to hear, but, um, until then, though, um, I want to say thank you to everybody involved. Thank you to the loyal readers who have subscribed to IBI and supported it throughout all the years, through all the changes, but still through providing the excellent uh, prospect coverage that we have. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. Um, stay tuned. Next time, I'll be getting into some more of the prospect stuff and maybe even discuss a little bit of this Astros uh, cheating scandal. And man, oh, man, what a uh, mess it has become. So, but uh, until then, though, for this is Jake Dungan, and this is the uh, Bite Size Baseball cast, and I say to you, have a good one.